Morning Liberty. Summer's ready. Come on, y'all. Been slaving over this for hours. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR, as we call them. And of course, my red-hot smoking wife, Carly, who's a stone-cold fox. Mm. Also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. Dear tiny Jesus, in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled up fist pawing. He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? <laughs> I win the races and I get the money. Ricky, finish the damn grace. Dear eight pound, six ounce, <laughs> newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet. We just thank you for all the races I've won and the $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money <laughs> that I have accrued over this past season. Also due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace. <laughs> I just want to say that Powerade is delicious mm. and it, it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. Amen. Let's dig in. There's, there's a couple of things we can learn from this, I think. Dad, you made that grace your... Man. I hope there's, everyone likes the long intros because it really gets me pumped up. Yeah. There's a couple of things to learn from this, too. Yeah. You know, one is freedom of speech. Yeah. You know, because if you want to pray to baby Jesus or grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or yeah. Jesus that's singing leads... Bearded Jesus. He's singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner. You can. You're not harming anybody doing that. Yeah. The other thing to learn about is uh, capitalism pays for things. So <laughs> That's true. This entire grace was sponsored by uh, Domino's, Taco Bell, Powerade. Uh, what are some of the other companies that were all uh, mentioned in there that probably all gave Talladega Nights money for this? They probably didn't have to pay a single dollar for that whole movie. Right. Just advertising. It's all ads. That's how we would pay for the roads, by the way. Yes. That's, a, that's, what, I that's what I would do if you exactly. wanted me to tell you my libertarian beliefs. So, uh, hey, this, but this is, is... this is not what we're talking about. No. What are we going to talk about not today, Nate? Well, I don't know. Uh, we went somewhere this weekend. We went to the Young Americans for Liberty conference. Yeah. YaleCon. It was really fun. I had a great time. Tons of information. A whole lot of great speakers. And... Uh, it's, it's really great to go spend a weekend around like-minded people. You know, it kind of reminds you that there actually are a lot of people out there that you're not, you're not just here yelling into a microphone and no one cares. Right. 
Um, well, we might be, but there's a lot of people out there, and uh, they some people actually do believe in these principles. And uh, Young Americans for Liberty is actually putting that to work. Yes. They're they're not just talking about ideas; they're actually implementing a strategy, which is great. That's the coolest thing I think I, I about the entire weekend is that. You know, the liberty movement's never really died, but we've been talking about these ideas for a long time, and no one has really ever put an actual plan or strategy to how do we actually um, manifest liberty for the people and get away from this basically duopoly, right? This Republican Democrat system where they're all kind of working together to spend all of your money. Yeah. And put us in debt and our kids will be in debt and we'll never get out of it. Well, now we actually, I feel like for the first time in the Liberty movement, we have a fighting chance because of a great nonprofit organization, young Americans for Liberty and literally young Americans for Liberty. All these guys are young (laughs) and And, Americans and they're good, like really good at what they do. Um, We're going to be doing several interviews over the next couple of weeks from a lot of people that we met this uh this past weekend who was your favorite speaker my favorite speaker um that's tough because there were a lot of good ones i would actually have to say it was nick Friedis. yeah and nick he's, Friedis he's good he's more of a conservative but definitely a very principled liberty person now disclaimer uh ron paul actually was there and spoke he, and yes that, that was the big the big selling point for the weekend because it's Ron Paul. And I love Ron Paul. Yeah. He We've was, seen him before though. Yes. And he was amazing, but I've yeah. never seen Nick Friedis speak before. And he's a delegate from Virginia, um, the Virginia state house, I believe. Uh, I think he, he might actually be a congressman now. Didn't he run? Not sure. Couldn't tell you. We would have to look that up. Yeah, I don't know. We saw Lou Perez also, uh, Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy was there from, from Fox business. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, her ho- speech was hilarious. Yeah. Hopefully she still has a job. I haven't looked, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. Her speech was so good. Uh, Glenn Jacobs. Yeah. Uh, Kane. Kane. Yeah. Former WWE. That number is calling champion. me again, man. Can you believe that? Just block it. I'm going to, but they just switched to a new number after that. <laughs> They're just checking to see if I'm actually using my phone. So who else did? Uh, who else did we see? Um, I think that was the the main highlight, or the or the like to say the main event speakers. Yeah. Uh, but several other really good speakers. Absolutely. We went to a, uh, one of the great things that Young Americans for Liberty is doing is they're actually trying to train uh, new, you know, young Americans on how to run for office. And then they're implementing a strategy to to help get them uh, elected. Right. So we actually went to a class on Sunday. Charlie here is talking about maybe running for office at some point in time in the future. That's right. And I am talking about watching Charlie run for office at some point in time in the future. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. I think I think you're going to run. We'll I see. Think, I think you, it's in your it's in your blood. We'll see. It's kind of yeah, my dad did have a uh what did have a county office at one point in time, so that was that was interesting. I know what it's like to go around to people's doors. I know what it's like to go putting up signs all over the place. You know, when I was helping my dad put up signs, I don't know what they're using nowadays, but we were using like four by four sheets of plywood and four by eight sheets of plywood. And we would have to go down to the barn and we, you know, he had a stencil that had been cut out for his sign. And then we would put the stencil 
over the top of the plywood after we painted mm-hmm. painted the whole sheet blue and waited for that to dry and then put the stencil over the top and spray painted all the white lettering on them and just did that um, hundreds of times. For hours. And just a lot. You were slaving over those signs for hours. I was. I was. And then when you'd have to go out and when you when you put them in the ground, which I'm sure this is still the case, but you got to take those steel posts out there and then uh, you got to take a, a post driver, yeah. a pole driver, and just just hammer that thing in there, which I knew how to do because I grew up on a farm. Right. It was not a big issue. Well, now I think people just order them like from Vistaprint or something like that. Yeah. Do they, do they sell steel posts? Well, no, they just put like regular signs. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. These, yeah, you just step on them. You step on the little metal. Oh, yeah, yeah that's they right. Hang, they hang out in the ground. So but, if any of you are out there considering running for office, I would suggest getting signs from Vistaprint instead of sheets of plywood from Home Depot. I would actually suggest any liberty-minded candidates get in touch with Young Americans for Liberty. Yeah. Because they they are looking for, you know, Nate mentioned it was a training. It, it was a training on how to run a campaign, um, but they're not training people to be liberty people. Yeah. What they want is, and what we're looking for, and part of the reason why we do this to spread the message of liberty is to find like-minded people that have liberty principles that want the best for humanity, right? That wants government to stop interfering with our lives. I mean, Tennessee just passed this ridiculous hands-free law that we may talk about. And and there's all kinds of laws all over the place. Were they just preparing for Joe Biden coming through? Probably. (laughs) Hands-free Biden. That might've been it. So there's all there's all kinds of laws across you know the United States, not just nationally. This is not just about national politics. There's a lot of state uh, laws that you can do, a lot of local things that you can do. If you run for mayor, or city council, or anything like that, we're looking for liberty-minded people to join together and not only just talk about the ideas anymore, but but to actually activate and to institute a plan and a solution. And one of Young Americans Liberty, uh, Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, slogan is make liberty win. And so they actually have a path to win. And what this training did was show you how you can run a campaign and win as a liberty candidate. Doesn't matter what your party affiliation is because they're a nonprofit, obviously, so they can't affiliate themselves with a party. But they're taking liberty minded people and they're showing them this is how you run a campaign. This is how you become successful. And it's it's absolutely an unbelievable action-packed training. Like oh, that was twelve hours nonstop. It was twelve hours. We got um, two ten-minute breaks, three ten-minute breaks. Two of them were to go to the buffet and get your food and get back as soon as possible so they could start again. And they yep. had a total of ten minutes to do that. Uh, those were two of them, and then the other one was a break. Only you were supposed to partner up with someone that you had never met and go through your uh, pitch for how you were going to raise. Uh, campaign money, basically. Right. So there weren't any breaks. It was twelve hours. It was a grueling, grueling process. Um, I I did really enjoy it, though. There was a lot of really great information, and we met a lot of great people from inside the Libertarian Party. Also, um, that's that's one thing I was going to say, and I know Charlie mentioned that there were people that Young Americans for Liberty is not affiliated with a party specifically. They they said that if you are supporting 
liberty and those values and are you're going to vote along the lines that you are not going to remove rights from people uh they'll they'll support you and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what your party affiliation is i might do better if i if i uh tried to run as a democrat in my district you know and and run as a classical liberal yeah that's (laughs) i will run as a liberal like jfk yeah the the original terminology of liberal uh which is kind of what a libertarian is now so that was a really great thing. We met some great people inside the Libertarian Party that are running for office. We met some some of the high ups uh, there at the party that were really fun to hang out with. So we met the Liberty Memes guys. Yeah, um, that was cool. Because being, being Libertarian, met those guys. Being Libertarian, yeah, they were here. Had some people from the uh, the Atlas Society, which is um, a uh, society basically. Uh, supporting Ayn Rand and her objectivism Mm -hmm. and uh, getting those ideas out there, which is also one of my favorite things. Some people don't, some people don't like that. I don't know. The the Cato Institute was there. Mises. Yeah. Yeah, There were some good Um, people there. Conservatives concerned about the death penalty. Hannah Cox. Yep. Uh, who used to work with Beacon Center. Now she's the national manager for conservatives concerned about the death penalty. She was there. That's a really good job saying that so quickly too. Conservatives concerned about the death penalty. Yeah. How did you, what was it? Conservatives concerned about the death penalty. Wow. You just got to let it flow. I don't know. Have you ever had a list before, Charlie? No. Or, okay. No. Yeah. I'm it's, pretty... It's not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> pretty good. I mean, it sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to mention, uh, we're, I'm in conversations right now, and we are going to actually get the president of Young Americans for Liberty on the show. So... I want to, all you guys out there listening who have ever thought about running for office that you're a liberty-minded person, uh, reach out to us, and then we're going to talk to Cliff uh, all about Young Americans for Liberty, get the actual insight from the guy um, you could say who's running the show, who, who's kind of yeah. putting these plans in place, who has all these amazing, crazy ideas of, of making liberty win. Uh, so we're going to get him on the show and talk about all of that, and then you know, we can talk about what are the next steps. Yeah. Also how you can help out because you don't have to be running for office. You can also join a campaign and help, help people out. You can Um, donate. You can always donate. You know, that I think, uh, I think we signed up to give them like 25 bucks a month and it gives you a crazy amount of the amazing benefits for going to these conferences and everything and annual dinners, all these things, meeting some, meeting some great people. So, well, and the biggest thing about this whole thing is we all talk about these ideas. We get frustrated about what the Republicans are doing or the Democrats are doing, and we don't want to go towards socialism. We don't want to go towards fascism. All of these things we keep talking about, keep talking about it. Well, now you, you have to take action. You have to get involved somewhere. You can do it locally. Um, wherever town you live in, we got people living all over the place that listen to the show, wherever you live, like get involved. And that's exactly what we're doing. In fact, young Americans for Liberty has chapters all over in like every single state. Yeah. So like you can get involved with that organization even, and it's a great, great organization. So we actually have quite a few people from that event that we're going to be speaking with. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. We have these, these interviews lined up. We're getting them lined up Yeah. because this weekend, Literally was twelve hours every day. It was then, long, actually longer than that because there was social afterwards, and um, we just we actually had a freaking blast. I've got to close out this trade real quick. Sorry. All right. So while Nate closes out that trade, uh, we're going to talk about later in the show. We're getting ready to talk about uh, Yang, who's running uh, as a Democrat in the Democratic primary. And uh, likely won't win the nomination, but there's a lot of libertarians or liberty-minded people out there who are saying that 
Yang's UBI, the universal basic income, is a good idea. And so we're going to break that thing down. Nate wrote a brilliant article on this just a couple days ago. And it was, uh, it literally breaks down number by number. We're going to go deeper into that of why this is an absolutely terrible idea for liberty. Yep. And that libertarian shouldn't be supporting this guy. One thing that uh, it has driven me nuts about it, the main point that I went towards on it was, uh, you know, we, we follow Milton Friedman a lot. A lot of you, a lot of you guys listening to this probably heard, pl- probably have seen a lot of great Milton Friedman videos as well. And one of the things that's been misconstrued a little bit was Milton Friedman was in support of a universal basic income uh, over the system that we have right now. And that that already gets confused right there because um, the the first post the first post I put on Instagram was basically that um, you, you're not going to support a universal basic income and liberty at the same time. And some of the arguments I got were, well, Milton Friedman supported it, and obviously you guys like Milton Friedman a lot. Well, he supported it over the system we have now. That doesn't mean that it was in support of liberty, which uh, I don't believe you can take things from other people without their permission and still be in support of liberty. So I really wanted to attack the idea that Milton Friedman would be in support of this. So there's a couple pretty big differences. Um Andrew Yang's proposal is to put a VAT or a value-added tax onto businesses. And what this is, is, right now when you're creating the product, when you buy wholesale, you're, you're doing things involved in the production of what you're going to be selling. You don't pay sales tax on all of those items. So just say, I don't know why, but it's always fun to say a chair. So if you're going the uh, if you're gonna buy the wood and then you're gonna you're gonna buy the uh, the the lacquer and the stain and the soldering and all those things if you're ordering all of those things wholesale and you're you're getting all those things together to put together a product you're not paying sales tax on that as you're buying those so it it really helps people who are starting businesses keep lower production costs that way they can put a better product out to market and. So a value-added tax adds on an expense in every single step of the production process. And Milton Friedman actually said he, he specifically came out um, against a VAT. And what he called it was it, it was an invisible, to, to the, he said to the blind consumer, to the unaware consumer, that it would just look like another part of inflation. And you would just see prices going up and you would just think, oh, well, that's just inflation. And so the, the issue we had with that was first, you, you wouldn't, as a consumer, you would not be able to discern the difference between a value added tax that was raising the prices of everything that you purchased and actual inflation, which tends to occur over time. Um, so you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. He also said that a VAT was the most efficient way for a government to raise revenue. And then he also said it was the effective, the most effective way to grow the size of the government, meaning he was not, not in support of it. And the reason um, I've had such a big issue with this is putting a tax on the production side of an economy can really have a lot of 
terrible, terrible effects. I mean, you you have to know that that is that that will undoubtedly raise the price of every single thing that you buy that is affected by that tax. Not only that, Yang actually mentions that on his website. He does. He just has one word off. He even says on his website under this plan, if you look, that it while some companies may ra- will raise their prices. Yeah, it says it's. On his website, it says it is likely that some companies will increase their prices in response to people having more buying power. It's actually instead of uh, some companies, it's likely that all companies yeah. that have to pay this VAT tax will raise their prices. And this is a, a simple supply and demand. First off, when you when you throw more money uh, in that is available for people's buying power, I mean that the prices are going to go up. And the other side of that is that that money is coming from the businesses that are creating the products that the people are buying, meaning that it will directly have an effect on the prices of those products. So not only will you have the supply and demand side of money creating uh, an an incentive for prices to go up, but you're also going to have the production becoming more expensive that's going to be pushing the prices to go up. And so that... The thing, I, I said this to someone on Instagram, but he's talking about $1,000 to every single American over the age of 18. Now, first off, that comes out to $2.9 trillion per year. That's what that comes out to. And the only thing he pointed to on his website was that if we did half the VAT tax, the, uh, the value-added tax that they have in the UK, that they would be able to raise $800 billion from from businesses. So we're already starting off with a major, major deficit right there on the plan. But on the flip side of that, if you do go ahead and take the full $2.9 trillion out of the economy, if you take it from the businesses, there's kind of this misconception that businesses are just going to take that on the chin, that they're, uh, that they're going to let all of the prices of everything that they do go up, and then they're just not going to raise their prices. Um, no, that's not going to happen. Even if it was eight, the $800 billion coming from the businesses, the businesses will raise their prices by roughly $800 billion. It's right. what's going to happen. And well, actually, how'd you, how'd you come up with that, Matt? Um, I had, I had, a, I, I just grabbed it off of this highly, highly difficult graph that was on my phone. Okay. Yeah. Very, you have to be really highly trained in mathematics. <laughs> I got a math hat on right now. So the other part the other part of it is is that to give each to give each citizen a thousand dollars, that means the government will have to take more than a thousand dollars in taxation so they can pay themselves for the glory of them uh, conducting their efforts in the yeah. US. So Some administrative costs. Yeah. So already there's going to be a bit of a deficit, a bit of an imbalance in the money, because if they're going to give someone a thousand, they will have to take eleven hundred from the businesses. Meaning the businesses will need to raise their prices by eleven hundred, and the people are only getting a thousand. That would already create an imbalance. It's literally the same thing that we have right now. Only everything plus a thousand dollars. That's but, that's all it is. But hang on, Nate. Yeah, because the GDP is going to go up. Yeah, <laughs> the the gross domestic product percentage is going to go up ten percent. Oh yeah, he says ten to thirteen percent. Yeah, GDP, which uh, would I mean that's 
trillions of dollars. And he's projected this because now this is a difference in the production versus consumption side of economics. I always have to chase this back to the chicken or the egg scenario because you have a lot of people think that, okay, if you give the people down at the bottom a big stimulus check, then that's going to stimulate the economy. But then you have to ask, where did that stimulus check come from? And so if you took it out of the top side of the economy and put it into the bottom, all of the little inefficiencies, the administrative costs, all, all things like that are, are not going to create growth once it once it gets filtered back to the businesses. Um, you If you trace it back to a chicken and the egg scenario, you can always ask, is it production or consumption? And what always has to happen first, you can always say, well, yeah, someone wants to buy something. Okay. Well, what has to happen before they can buy it? And what has to happen before that is that someone has to produce it. That's the first thing. So if you go to the chicken and the egg scenario on economics and you go to the one that has to happen first and then make it harder to do, which is what our government does all the time, then you end up having a lot of uh, unintended consequences. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they are unintended consequences. But... Um, well, for instance, like no one, you know, let's say 150 years ago, no one knew they needed a car, yeah, like an automobile, a vehicle, yeah, <laughs> like no one, there was no consumption, there was no government push that we needed consumption of cars because they didn't exist. That's a great point because there's one of my favorite quotes ever is from Henry Ford, and it said, "If I would have asked the people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses." Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the most perfect quotes for economics I've I've ever heard of. Right, it, it was, it, it's amazing. But now the demand for vehicles is ridiculously high. Obviously, yeah. like because now it's almost it's not a necessity, but it's a really nice privilege to be able to get somewhere a lot faster. What's, you can do more things. It creates it, efficiency in your life. It's not like someone was go went to Elon Musk and said, "Hey, I've got seventy five thousand dollars. Here you go." That's not what happened. Right. Elon Musk said, I'm going to create something. And then someone came along and said, I will pay up to $75,000 for that. There is no one beating down my door for the product that I may or may not produce in the future. That is not happening. I've got to produce it first. The other thing I want to go back to the 10% GDP growth, because I thought you were going to hammer me down on this, but (laughs) it's uh, the, if you see this, by the way, the 10%, 10 to 13% GDP growth, that's over a 10-year period, just like everything government loves to do. So they, they have these numbers that are awesome. Uh, don't forget the asterisk there, It's uh, or the asterisk. Asterisk. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. I wouldn't even attempt to uh, say that word. On your keyboard, shift eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Looks kind of like a star. Yeah. Don't forget to read that because everything is always over 10 years. Now, why do they do that? To make it sound bigger. To make it sound bigger and better. Yep. That's what they always do. Every budget, 10 years. Just like, oh. Every prediction, 10 years. It's always 10 years. Yes. If they're going to cut spending, they will give you a 10-year number. That way it sounds bigger. With the Affordable Care Act, the average family was going to save $25,000, $2,500 a year over 10 years. And I can tell you these government predictions never work out, ever. (laughs) I don't care who the Congressional Budget Office or whoever does all these numbers for the government. They all suck. And their <laughs> predictions are awful. And their growth is always way off. It's like climate change models. They're all way off. And 
anything the government do, does, just imagine adding an extra trillion dollars of cost onto it, and at least. Or you could say we can add an extra $10 trillion of cost over 10 years, at least. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what always happens. So what ends up always happening with these good intentions? Uh, people lose liberty. That's what happens. And so this Yang guy, his, uh, you started calling it Yang BI instead of UBI. Yeah. It's so, not. It's a YBI. Did you all, uh, we mentioned the fact that Milton wanted to get rid of welfare too, right? Yes. Because that's not part of Yang's plan. Well, so I read up on his plan. And so he is actually saying that you can take the UBI in exchange for your current welfare uh receipt that you're that you're taking in so um if you are taking in welfare and you take the ubi you do have to take one or the other but you do have the option to choose between one or the other so the reason they're doing that is because a lot of people get really annoyed with the fact that you're supposed to keep trying to look for a job when you're on welfare and that you have to you have to keep your income down to a certain amount so you can keep receiving welfare keep all these kinds of things so you have the choice um if you if you would like to start working all of the time, then you can go ahead and pick the UBI. So that's a that's another thing that that people don't seem to understand that much with the universal basic income. Um, people will more than likely take their thousand dollars if they are currently receiving one thousand dollars from the government, and then they just are then going to be receiving one thousand dollars from the government. There's nothing saying that they're just going to start working and making more money at that point in time. There, there really isn't at all. And I actually did some other figures on it. If you pay someone $15 an hour and they're working part-time, averaging $20 an hour, that's going to be something around $1,300 a month. 20, 20 hours a week. Yeah, 20 hours yes. a week. I would say that. If they're making $15 an hour and they're going to work 20 hours a week, that's going to be something around $1,300 a month that they would be taking in. So there's a part-time job making $15 an hour. That's already more than most of the minimum wage. So at that level, you would be taking in around $1,000 after taxes for the month. So here's what has to happen. If people are okay getting $1,000 right now, what a business owner is going to have to do is they're going to have to raise their wages really high to entice people to want to come work for them instead of just staying home and keeping their thousand dollars. Well, it's just good for everybody, isn't it? Well, what happens when you when you raise when you raise wages? I mean, people just make more money. People just make more money, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing is, if they are going to raise their wages, since uh, the Fortune 500 companies average around eight percent total profit, total net profit after all of their expenses, they all average about eight percent net profit. Um, since the four, even Fortune 500 companies are averaging that much, um, these companies cannot just start paying people $20 an hour without raising their prices. So it's the same argument, really, that you hear all the time for raising the minimum wage, that people will have to raise prices for everything. So people always think that you're somehow going to throw new money into the, into the equation. It's not new money, by the way. It got taken from someone else. You're going to take that out of the economy and give it to other people, and then that's just going to be a valuable money. You know, $1,000 given to you that you didn't earn is a lot different than you earning $1,000. And when you keep giving people $1,000 that they didn't earn, what's going to happen is the new zero, the new, the new nothing wage is going to be 
$1,000. That's going to be nothing. It'll, it won't be enough to cover anything, just like whatever it is that you're making right now. The prices will come up. It will always level out all the time. The prices will raise to the point that this $1,000 is literally the same as it was before you were getting the $1,000. Because you can't just take non-valuable money and go spend it somewhere. You can't take unearned money and this, spend it. This brings your chicken and egg scenario full circle because the only way to create wealth is through production. Like the government doesn't create wealth. They only take. That's it. Yeah. And so if you if you take and redistribute, there's no creation of wealth. If you allow the money to stay in the economy to be used and put to work, then you can create wealth because it's not a zero-sum game, right? There's not just a, like this is the only amount of money we have in the world and we got to take it from the rich people and give it to the poor people because it's not fair. That doesn't that's not how it works. There's you're able to create wealth. I mean, there's all kinds of things we haven't even invented yet. Yeah. There's all kinds of things that we're still like discovering and every single day you don't hear about it much on the news because it's all doom and gloom, but every single day people are discovering all kinds of new things and they're inventing all kinds of awesome stuff that we can use all through capitalism because of the, the freedom that capitalism gives you to take productive money and create something of value for someone else that could potentially produce more wealth for everyone. It's actually pretty pretty easy if you just imagine, let's say you're someone that has this idea that taking money from the top, putting it through the bottom is going to create this nice little reciprocal circle going around. Taking it from the top to the bottom goes back up, the top to the bottom, and everything's all hunky-dory, everything's good. So there's one part of that equation that you're not thinking about. It comes from the top, it flows through the government, they take their percentage for doing it, and then they give less money than they took from the top to the people at the bottom. So what flows back up to the top ends up being less money than what was taken from them. And then the government continues taking the same amount from the top again. And as that cycle makes it around and around, if you just imagine that they, the government takes $1,100, it filters around $1,000, and then by the time it comes back up to the top through inflation, it arrives at around $900. And then the government takes $1,100 from the top again, and now you've already obviously... Uh, slowed, <laughs> killed this circle that's going around yeah. because you're at a negative. But you can imagine that eventually saying that there's, say the top started with uh, $10,000 and you kept doing this $1,100 circle. Eventually, once that cycle goes around and around enough times, then it becomes a zero on the top. And then you end up with kind of what we're at right now, which is the the problem that we have where people cannot afford to buy certain things, even though they are even being given given welfare right now, even though they they're at a minimum wage, mm-hmm. well, the prices at the top have been made to raise to a point to cover all of the taxation that's happening. But the taxation isn't filtering back up through to the businesses, so it's a constant theft of value from that market to the point that it creates a massive imbalance between the people at the top and the bottom. The only ones who win in this is government. That's it. Because they, they, get... they take all of that and they go buy $21 million worth of lobster. Yeah. That they get to enjoy. Yeah. They're going to spend more. And this is not a knock on Trump or anyone who's ever been the president. This is the same for whatever administration. At the next White House dinner, the amount of money they spend on champagne will be more than the amount of money that uh, you're ever going to pay in taxes through your entire life. Yeah. 
all of the tax money that comes out of your check throughout your entire life, the one life that you have to ever live, all of that money that you pay in will not be enough to cover the liquor at the next dinner that might happen next week. Right. And that's disgusting. Yes. It's purely disgusting. So back to the libertarians who somehow think that instituting Yang's UBI is somehow a win for liberty. I do not understand, first off, if you're a libertarian, how you can consider, oh, hey, we're stealing money from you right now, and hashtag taxation is theft, right? Uh, Everyone believes that. So now we're going to switch to a new system where we're stealing from people, and then we're going to give that to people at the bottom. And it's it's all of a sudden what? Hashtag vatation is theft? Is not theft? I mean, (laughs) I don't don't understand. But, But Nate, wait a second. Yeah. Because AI... And technology and robots, no one's going to have a job anymore. Someone made this point to me that they've got to do this, and they're going to the businesses are going to be able to make higher profits because they're going to be moving to AI and you know all kinds of automation, and and we've got to help the people at the bottom. And I said, dude, you're raising the expenses for the businesses and lowering their profit margins. You're going to push them towards automating at like hyperspeed versus what they're what they're doing right now. Like you're you're exacerbating the problem, something that the government has a great habit of doing, but you're saying that oh we've 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 got to go ahead and do this and and he said the businesses won't lose profit because they're going to switch to automation, and I'm saying yeah why are they switching to automation, right? Because they can't make enough profit off of what they're having to pay people, and now you're going to take more money from them, and push them into automation even faster. The other thing is none of this is a surprise. Like technology advancing has never been a surprise throughout all of human history Mm-mm. ever. Like you don't have milkman anymore. Like no milkman comes to your door that I know of, maybe in some small towns, they still do this, but you don't, there's no milkman delivery. They don't deliver your milk anymore. Technology has advanced that. So what happened to all the milkmen? Well, they went and found other jobs. And so here's the greatest example. I think right now in the United States, there are about 10 million truck drivers, 10 million truck drivers. Your jobs are going away. Listen to me. If you are driving a semi-truck right now, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. And probably, I would say at the low end, five years, at least maybe 10 years, but definitely in 20 years, yeah, there's going to be no truck drivers. It's not going to happen. Tesla's releasing their semi-truck. It looks awesome. Yeah. It has more torque. It has... Everything you could ever imagine, everything's going to be auto pretty soon. The writing is on the wall. Now, we know right now that half of you could go work in the blue-collar industry because there's about 5 million jobs that aren't being filled in carpentry and crane work and construction and all of that stuff. So there is a, a, a lot of jobs that could be filled by just half of you. And then the other half, 5 million other people, can do all kinds of other things. You can start a business on the Internet. You can start a podcast. You can talk about how the glory days of truck driving and, and robots are taking it over <laughs> and that sucks, but hey, we're, we're doing something new. You can, uh, you can learn how to work on robots. You can learn how to code software. There's so many things that you can do. You can invent something that doesn't exist that's, yet. That's what I was going to say is that we're trying to name things that are obvious right now, but the, the, the thing of it is there's so many jobs that we're not going to have any clue are going to exist. And in the 19... 19- 30s, no one would have known that right now there would be 150,000 unfilled computer software jobs in the United States. They, they were not planning on that at all. The people who were losing their jobs because of 
I don't know, whatever technological advance they were having then, did did not know that we were, you know, all going to have TVs that we had to work on and do it. You know, they didn't know that. And I heard uh, I heard Jeff Bezos talking about this one time, and he was saying, you know, in the 1920s, no one would have ever thought that they could go be a, a massage therapist, you know? That wasn't a thing. You, you said it on our last podcast, but like at that point in time, you farmed and or you worked in a factory and you worked until just about until the time that you died because the lifespan was only like 52 years old. Right. By the way, a little other side note, Social Security comes in at 62. The average lifespan was 52. It was never meant to live a long time off of at all. No. Sorry, had to go off of that tangent real quick. But um, so there's all these new jobs that come in that you can't even imagine right now. So trying to sit here and say, well, I can't think of any, there's not going to be any other jobs. Are you the first person in the world that actually knows the future? Do you have a time machine? Because can you, can you do something for me? Look up how many jobs the internet has created so far, Oh man. Like, and I don't even know if this is even quantifiable. Like you can, all you have to do is look at the eighties and say, man, we had no idea that the internet was going to exist. Like no one knew that. And how many jobs has the internet created? Like it created my job. That's for sure. I have a job because somebody invented or a group of people, whatever, invented this unbelievable communication that we have called the internet. Well, this says just in the last two, in the last 10 years, <laughs> it's a 10 year figure. Yeah, of course. Um, it's created 1.2 million jobs just since, uh, let's see what year this was. 2009? Um, well, 10. this is a, maybe an old survey from, so since 2008 to 2018, there were 1.2 million new jobs uh, because of the internet. Uh, there are all kinds of jobs: social media manager, web developer. Uh, you can go. You can be an SEO consultant. What? Uh, what an is app that? Developer. All what, kind, what is all this stuff? I know. No one. I. I mean, they weren't writing about how people were going to be able to work at these places in the 1970s. No one was writing about that right. at all. And that's the point. You. You don't know what's going to be up next. I mean, Jeff Bezos is talking about <laughs> building civilizations on the moon and Mars and stuff. Like maybe you could get a job, like working like. Providing service on the space shuttle, you know, you could be a, a space bartender. Like, who knew that was going to exist? Ooh, can we recommend AOC for that? Yes, <laughs> she would be so good at yeah. it. I think she's got the experience, <clears throat> the tenacity, and the you know. I'm just wondering if she pulls all of her tips together with everybody and they all share it, mm. or did she keep her own tips? I assume. Why hasn't somebody asked her that question? I, I assume that she, she always split her tips evenly between everyone that was working, even the people in the kitchen, because she would not have been able to do her job if it weren't for those people doing their job. Takes a village. Yeah. It so, takes a village. I say, if you've ever uh, waited <laughs> tables and you have people saying, well, the people at the top wouldn't be able to make their money if it weren't all, okay, well, make sure that you tip everyone out evenly. The people in the kitchen, the people that are cleaning. The owners, the kitchen. owners for building the building yeah. that brought people there. All kind of, any, Everyone who worked there before you, the construction crew that worked there. I mean, you plumbers, you, you didn't build that, right. okay? That's not your money. Right. It belongs to everyone. So, what well, a perfect example. I wish, <laughs> let's get her on the show and let's, ask her I'll, that question. We'll see. Can you reach out to her uh, PR? Yeah. Okay, thanks, Nate. I'll tell her I have new information on climate change. Yes. That's going to rock her world. She'll jump right um, in. One thing with the trucking industry, people don't seem to realize how big of a deal this is. Uh, if we can automate the trucking industry, and I'm sorry if you're listening to this in a truck right now, 
but you've got 10 years to figure this out. I'm really sorry, but you've got like 10 years. Take some responsibility. There, Your job is going away. Yeah. And the government doesn't care about you. All kinds of jobs are going away, not just this one. But if we automate the trucking industry, you have to realize, look around you right now, whether you're in a car, you're at home, you're at work, whatever it is. There is not one single thing that you can look at that has not been on a semi-truck at one point in time. Not one single thing. Maybe air. You can't see it. You can't see oh, air. everything you can see. So okay. Feel, if I said feel around, then <laughs> maybe that. But look, look at everything around you. It has all been on some kind of delivery truck. Every single bit of it. And the price of all of those deliveries, of all of the fuel, all the oil, all that stuff that's happened has all baked into the price of every single thing that you can see right now. So the the idea that it's a bad thing to automate the trucking industry and even cut even cut delivery costs, uh, transportation costs in half would be drastic exponential even, price movement. Even in if the, you only covered entire, even if you only cut it ten percent. Yeah. Even that would reverberate so many times it would it would increase exponentially through all kinds of products it's a really it's a pretty unpredictable amount of money that that things you know things could become cheaper but that's a good thing that you that we need to to let happen you know it, you shouldn't want to stop these things you don't you don't know what's going what the world's going to look like in 10 or 20 years just Tucker. like just Tucker like, Carlson yeah just like the people in the year 1900 a tired excuse, tired example, but you know there were horses, and then we switched to using cars. Those people had the same objections. That was a massive, mass. That was a bigger shift than what we are shifting from. That was moving from horses to gas-powered vehicles. There were less opportunities yeah, back then. <laughs> much bigger shift. Um, so, if they would have had the choice, they would have frozen their technology, their history at that point in time too, and just lived in the perfect world, but the perfect setup that they had right then. And that's kind of the same thing that these people are saying. The, oh, 2019, this is as far as we ever want to make it. We don't want to have any more innovations. No way. Right. We'll never be able to create some kind of new job that no one's ever heard of before. No more efficiency. Yeah. This is it. This is good. This is all you got. This is good right here. It's kind of like what socialism does. Yeah. It says, oh, we made it. All right, let's spread it all out. Good. Doesn't create. And we've talked about this several times, but there is no complacency. There, it doesn't exist. Either you're moving forward or you're moving backwards. Like you're moving forward or you're dead. It's yeah. one thing one of the guys from Young American Liberty talked about. It's this, it's this old principle. The world is moving constantly. So either you're going with it and you're taking steps forward or you're dying. That's it. And so we know this is, there's never been a better time to know that the writing's on the wall. And so you have to take responsibility for your own life. And maybe truck driving is like your greatest passion and that sucks, but you could, there's all kinds of other things that you could take passions in that maybe revolve around trucks, like working on the automated trucks, like you could work on them, or maybe you could teach people how to work on them or because you know all all you know all the things about trucks. For decades there will still be manually driven vehicles even when it happens. I mean, you're not going to be able to get the, I mean, we're so far away from this still. Right. We're it's not going to so happen overnight. Far away. I have a car that um it 
uh, reads the speed limit of the area that you're in. It does that based on cameras. Elon Musk has even said that all of these these technologies are going to rely a lot on cameras to see everything that's going around, not just sensors. And so the cameras on my car look for the speed limit that's around. And what I've noticed is a lot of times when I get on the interstate or I get off the interstate and everything, there's not a speed limit sign right there. So the car is still telling me this old, outdated speed limit. Just something like that where they – to have an automated industry like this, they are going to coordinate with all governments everywhere and make sure that there is proper signage everywhere, everywhere, or places where there is not proper signage, the automated vehicles will not be able to go. So that there or maybe somebody so will far. invent something yeah, in between. Maybe they'll invent something that. else. Now people are thinking, well, probably GPS will be able to tell them what it is. But they I know that um I heard Elon Musk talking about it specifically. He said that the it wasn't in sensors, it wasn't in the GPS, it was in the cameras sensing everything that's seeing everything and being able to interpret it. And that that was where the industry was was going. Right. But before it can go there, they got to make sure that the local city government puts a speed limit sign on that road so the so the automated vehicle knows how fast it's supposed to drive. Like well they could create databases about construction going on, all kinds of stuff, you know. Yeah. So it's and the thing about it is it's going to constantly be improving and it's not going to happen overnight. But I'm just if you think about this scenario, it's, it should be easy for you to lay out. Nate and I are constantly working on new things. Why? Because I don't know if my job will exist forever. And if it doesn't, I'll be prepared. I'm not going to cry about the government trying to take care of me because I didn't take the responsibility to notice that nothing in this life is guaranteed at all. And I, I know that I will always put food on the table for my family, no matter what happens. I don't think you have room on the table for food right now. It's got computers and stuff all over it. I'll put food on plates on the couch for my family. There'll be food (laughs) to eat. So, so think about that. And that's, that's your job. That's your one job is to do that is to take care of yourself and take care of your family. And, or maybe you don't have a family. So take care of yourself. That's it. And if everybody took care of themselves, take care of yourself and donate to young Americans for Liberty. That's what I'm, that's the whole premise yeah. of this entire episode. We just did. <laughs> it came full circle. There you go. So answer me this chicken or the egg. I don't know. Whichever one comes first, you don't need to do everything you can to slow it down. Here's another question for you. Baby Jesus. Grown-up Jesus, bearded Jesus, which, uh, which Jesus do you prefer? I'm singing like lead vocals for Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Maybe. Which yeah. one Which one do you prefer? <laughs> we're going to be putting out a bunch of episodes this week, even though we do have the 4th of July this week. We're going to be putting out some audio blogs. If you guys haven't checked that out, that's, uh, that's kind of our... Uh, our idea on we write articles at goodmorningliberty.us and then we do audio versions of the articles similar to listening to an audio book so if you don't want to sit there and read you can just click on it and listen to it that's a brilliant idea you're right yes um so called autoblog yeah so we uh we're we're doing that um we're going to do a couple history lessons on the Weimar Republic and the kulaks that happened, um, what happened to them in the Russian Revolution. I think we're going to break down the Declaration of Independence. We're going to talk about guys. that. We'll have that released on the 4th for you. Mm-hmm. So going to be a busy week. I am predicting right now, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm predicting eight 
new uploads this week. So subscribe so you don't miss any of them. Yes. Well, how do how do they uh, find us? Uh, GoodMorningLiberty.us. Um, you can search it on your podcast app if you're listening to it through our website right now. Search Good Morning Liberty on whatever podcast app you have and click on the photo that says the original Good Morning Liberty podcast. No reason on that at all. Um, <laughs> or you can go to BernieLies.com. That's right. Go to our Facebook, our Instagram. Talk to us. Give Twi- us some ideas. We had someone give us a topic idea. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do that. Um, it's on immigration. We have not talked about immigration yet, really. So we're gonna have to give our our opinions on that. We'll do a whole episode. Yeah, just a couple, maybe two episodes. Couple small business owners. Couple former touring musicians. Uh, you know, couple IT consultants, and we're just gonna let you know what we think what should be done uh, about immigration. Yes. So. Uh, so a funny thing at this conference, uh, there's, I was talking to this person who's running for city council, I believe. And, uh, we were doing some practice run throughs of like how you would talk to somebody about, you know, fundraising or, or anything like that. And so we were doing this practice run and I started my whole kind of spiel, like, Hey, if I was running, my name's Charlie, this is, you know, what I'm doing. Kind of gave a little elevator pitch, if you will. Uh, and she cut me off after about four words and said, uh, are you going to build a wall? And it's really funny because like when you're running for city council, like let's say in Tennessee, like you have no way to build a wall on the southern border of the United States. Now, if you were in a district like on the border, then maybe you could like your government could talk about that. But like not every issue is a national issue. So if you're I just thought it was funny because but I had a really good comeback because I told her I said well, I'm, I don't know if the wall is the right answer, but here's what I can tell you for our community. This is what I'm for. I'm for our community being as safe as they possibly can be. And that's the truth. I want humans to flourish, to be safe. And the way we do that is advancing the principles and the ideas and the philosophy of Liberty. That was a, an amazing BS politician response. You're welcome. That was great. Was I'm going to be running. Literally filled with fluff and nothing, <laughs> uh, nothing to get upset about, nothing yeah. to be that happy about. Yep. But only positivity. Exactly. Really. What, you don't agree with safety So now, liberty? So now you're going to vote for me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then we can act really good laws for our state, <laughs> like maybe get rid of this hands-free thing. I don't know. <laughs> I guess we can uh, talk about that next time. It's just a really, really strict laws on on cell phones in Tennessee yeah. now. You which, shouldn't text and drive. You shouldn't. That's like that's a rule. Yeah. You shouldn't do that. But how much power are we going to give the well, government? I don't know how they can enforce these rules. They said you can't touch your cell phone. With for, any part of your body, by the way. Any part of your body, your cell phone cannot come into contact with your body. Now, they didn't say anything whether or not you were wearing gloves, but <laughs> I think we'll have to, maybe that's a loophole. We got the glove loophole in, what this, if, in this law. What if your phone, like you have it sitting on your your phone holder in your car, that's what you should have anyway, so you're not touching it, but what if it falls and touches you? Do you sue the phone? J- jail. Do they give a ticket to your phone? No. For touching you? It's your fault. Actually, I think the auto manufacturer is responsible. And the cell phone company yeah. are responsible. Yeah, not you. Yeah. 
unless you're in the one percent <laughs> all right guys that's gonna do it <laughs> thanks for listening check us out uh on twitter we forgot to mention twitter good am liberty that's where we're at there so yeah, we're giving a special prize to our 10th follower so <laughs> <laughs> i literally never get on twitter Good. at all it's complete <laughs> it's been a complete waste so yes. far for us i have not pursued it at all but if you want to follow us maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe you could make it something for sure all right guys we hope you have a good day and a good morning liberty